So just so we're clear, no one's punching anyone in the nose today. Just want to make sure we got that down. Uh, no children's church today. So sorry, parents, you can uh, hang on to your kids. Um, and if they get loud, I'll just get louder. Um, I, I've got a couple glasses of water up here, and I need, uh, or a couple glasses, I need a couple volunteers. I need two volunteers, just anyone. Okay, Don and Jack, as they always do, put their hands up first. So so I'm going to have them come up. and Don't do anything yet. Just come up here and stand on either side of, of this. Uh, uh, and they're, they're going to help me illustrate a point. So first of all, uh, Don, you're older, right? Yeah. You're the oldest. You're a little taller, wiser, better looking. Oh, no. Okay. So, so Don, you're old. So I'm going to let you pick. You can pick either of the two glasses. I'm going to let you pick one, but I want you to choose wisely. So go ahead and pick one of them. Then I'll tell you what I'm going to have you do. Are you sure that's the one you want? Are you sure? I really like you, Don. You really? You sure? Okay, go ahead and take it. Jack, you pick any of the glasses you want. Okay, you don't have much choice. Okay, don't do it yet. What I'm going to have you do in just a second, I'm going to have you take a, a drink. And since Don and Jack by nature are competitive, I'm going to see which one can drink it the fastest. So when I say go, here in a second, no, nope, no, nope, put it down. I mean, no, hold on to it, but don't have it quite ready. Got, got to be, uh, be the same here. When, when I say go, I'm going to have you drink, see who can drink the, the fastest. But but I mentioned that I wanted you to choose wisely, because just so you know, one of the glasses has water, the other has gasoline in it. Go! Don, I'm going to say you won. I'm just flabbergasted that they didn't look, they didn't smell. Alicia, you, you need to talk to your sons about, uh, th- thank you guys. I appreciate that. Uh, they kind of messed it up. They were supposed to, they were supposed to doubt me a little bit and smell the, the, the glass, but they, uh, another thing that they, you need to let them know, uh, Alicia, don't let them ever trust me. That, that was, that was a mistake. Don't trust me that, that much. Guys, I appreciate you doing it. Uh, the truth is, if, if they, if one of them had had gas uh, in it instead of water, you, you can't tell the difference. They they look about the same. Uh, now, if you smelled it, obviously, and, and Don did on one of them accidentally, kind of looked at the smell. You you could tell the difference smelling. If the gas was in the plastic cup too long, the plastic cup would probably melt, and then we'd we'd had a mess. So so that would have been obvious. But but you can't really tell the the difference between water and gas. But you can tell. Uh, when when you do certain things with them, let me let me give you an example. If if you had taken a, uh, are you going to take kids down? Okay, Judy's like, hey, I want out of this sermon. So hey, any kids that want to head downstairs, uh, Miss Judy will keep you uh, in, entertained and involved and excited. So we'll let you do that. So so for instance, if if you had a a glass of water and took a drink of it, it would be refreshing. If you took a drink of uh, of uh, gasoline, you would immediately react to it. You would spit it out. If you've ever, uh, some of the older people here probably have done the siphon gas before, you find out that uh, that you spit it out immediately. If if you had tar on your hands, this happened to me a couple of years ago in Mexico. We, we worked on a, a roof at Pastor Ezekiel's church. I had tar all over my hands. You put water on tar and it just runs off, but you put gasoline on tar, which is what I had to do, and it cleans it off. If you take water 
and you have a flame and you throw water on the flame, it puts the flame out. If you throw gasoline on the flame, then poof, it explodes. The reaction depends on which one you used. I, I don't know if you noticed last week uh, when we talked about Jesus in the, the temple, but after his triumphal entry, he actually had a choice. Which, which glass was he going to use? Because he knew there was tension as he entered Jerusalem. He knew that, that the religious leaders weren't happy with him. He knew that they had kind of already started to plan and plot against him. And, and he really had a choice. After going in and the, the crowds were so excited as they cheered his name, he had a choice. Which was he going to use? Was he going to take the water and, and throw the water on the flame of discontent with the religious leaders? Or was he going to throw uh, gasoline? And he chose to throw gasoline. We've been looking the last two weeks uh, at the last week of Jesus' life. And and we've been seeing him barreling headfirst on a date with destiny. And even before he entered Jerusalem, uh, this last week that we've been talking about, even before he entered Jerusalem, he already he already knew and he had already talked about what was going to happen and what his destiny was. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be looking in uh, in Matthew this morning, but uh, chapter 21, but go over to chapter uh, 20 for a second, back up to chapter 20. In chapter 20, 17 to 19, Jesus said this. This is before he got to Jerusalem. Now, as Jesus was going up to Jerusalem, he took the 12 disciples aside and said to them, we're going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priest and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death, and he will turn him over to the Gentiles, to be mocked and flogged and crucified, and on the third day he'll be raised again. So Jesus, before he ever got there, was already predicting that his destiny was the cross. Uh, Mark chapter 10, verse 45, Jesus said, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. So, so from the moment he was born in a Bethlehem stable until we see him here in this last week, of his life, everything that he had done, every word that he had taught, every act of compassion, love, uh, forgiveness, and acceptance, every grace offered had been leading to this week, to these encounters, and ultimately to the cross. Uh, two weeks ago, we talked about that triumphal entry. Uh, remember, we we pointed out that as Jesus went into uh, into uh, Jerusalem, the crowds were shouting, Hosanna, 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 which means save or, or loosely, or you could extend that out to mean savior. And as he's marching in, we pointed out last, or two weeks ago, that maybe one of the reasons was Jesus needed encouragement. The, the very thought that, that people were shouting that would have reminded him of why he was there, why he was in Jerusalem and why he'd come to earth. It would have, it would have pumped him up to, to, to face the destiny that he had. But but when he did that, we, we didn't talk about it two weeks ago, but when he did that, he was also taking a risk. He was also taking a, uh, a risk. Luke chapter 4 tells us the story of Jesus uh, at the start, well, really before his ministry started. Jesus uh, had gone to the, the, the Jordan River to be baptized by John the Baptist and said after he was baptized that he went out into the desert uh, does anyone remember how long he went into the desert for? 40, 40 days. He went to the desert 40 days, and while he was there, he fasted. So 40 days he didn't eat or, or, or anything. And Scripture tells us that Satan 
tempted him. Sometimes we think it was at the end of the 40 days, but Scripture actually says he was tempted for that whole period of time. And and after coming through that last temptation, uh, there, there were three that were mentioned, but after that last one, Satan, uh, we're told, left. But Luke tells us something specific about what Satan did when he left. Does anyone remember that? Kind of obscure here, but anyone want to take a stab at what, what, uh, what Luke tells us Satan did? Okay, you can look it up, Luke 4. But it says Satan left him for an opportune time. So, so in other words, it says that Satan left him, but, but he didn't give up. He was going to come back. He was going to look for times in his life. Now, now we could probably guess some of the times that Satan showed up to tempt, but I think, I think on Sunday, riding that colt into Jerusalem with the crowds cheering his name and saying, Hosanna, I think, I think Satan showed up. I wonder if Satan didn't. Whisper in Jesus' ear, there's another way. Jesus, listen. Can you hear them? Can you hear their love for you? Can you hear their shouts? Jesus, you don't have to go to the cross. Jesus, we can figure this out. We'll work it out with the religious leaders. Jesus, there doesn't have to be a death here. Jesus, you have the people on your side. And, and in part, I think that's why when we looked last week uh, uh, of, of what Jesus did on Monday when he went into the temple and the first thing he did was walk into the court of the, the, uh, the Gentiles and turn over the money ta- ta- the tables of the money changers and, and, and the benches of those selling doves and pigeons. And in essence, what he was doing was condemning the religious leaders. He was condemning the, the, the scribes, uh, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, condemning them for their complicity in taking advantage of the poor. And what Jesus did was throw gasoline on the situation. Mark, uh, Mark chapter 11, verse 18, when it told that story of the, uh, of the events from Monday, says at the end, the chief priests and teachers of the law heard this and began looking for a way to kill him. Jesus threw gas. And and so then we come to today. We come to today's sermon. We we come to Tuesday and Jesus again comes into the city and he begins to teach in the temple and and as it always was he drew a large a, a large crowd around him and the leaders were at the edge of the crowd and they had an interaction with Jesus. See Tuesday was a day of confrontation and Jesus would throw more gas on the fire. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 21. We're going to look at verses 23 to 32. Now I will point out later on, or if you want to do it during the sermon, you you have my permission. But if you want to keep reading in Matthew, you will see uh, that he continues to have confrontation after confrontation with these religious leaders on this day, this Tuesday. So verse 23 of, of Matthew 21, Jesus entered the temple courts, and while he was teaching, The chief priests and the elders of the people came to him. By what authority are you doing these things, they asked, and who gave you this authority? Jesus replied, I will also ask you a question. If you answer me, I'll tell you by what authority I'm doing these things. John's baptism. Talk about John the Baptist. John's baptism, where did it come from? Was it from heaven or of human origin? They 
discussed it among themselves and said, if we say from heaven, he will ask them, why didn't you believe him? But if we, if, but if we say of human origin, we're afraid of the people, for they hold that John was a prophet. So they answered Jesus, well, we, we don't know. Then he said, neither will I tell you what authority I'm doing these things. And, and then Jesus continues, what do you think? There was a man who had two sons. He went to the first and said, son, go and work today in the vineyard. I will not, he answered. But later he changed his mind and went. Uh, and went. Then, then the father went to the other son and said the same thing. He answered, I will, sir. But he didn't go. Which of the two did what the father wanted? The first they answered. Jesus said to them, truly I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are in the kingdom of heaven uh, or kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to you to show you the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him, but the tax collectors and prostitutes did. And even after you saw all this, you did not repent and believe him. Uh, first thing we see is a tough question. A tough question. Actually, actually, it's a series of questions. There's really kind of three questions that, that come up. Uh, a, a, a tough question. The first one was, was their question. The, the leader's question. See, see, I think as Jesus taught, there was, there was at the edge of the crowd two groups of people. There, there, and we'll talk about both of them this morning. But one of them was the religious leaders, and they, they listened to Jesus teach for a while, and then I, I don't know how they did. I don't know if one of them kind of wormed his way to the front, or if he took his staff and kind of banged it on the, the stone street there in the temple, or I don't know what they did, but somewhere, one of these religious leaders spoke up for, for that group, and, and they asked, this question, uh, they, they thought it was a gotcha question. They, they thought they were gonna, they were gonna nail Jesus by, by what authority are you doing these things? Now, now, these things, what was Jesus doing? Well, first of all, he was teaching. He was, he was connecting people to God. He was, uh, he was touching people's life and lives and, and the other things he was doing was healing. And so they're asking, well, 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 by what authority are you giving people their sight back? By what authority are you letting them walk in? By what authority are you connecting them to God? How ridiculous of their, their, their comment. But their question was first. Then Jesus, Jesus had a follow-up question. It was his follow-up. John's baptism. Where'd it come from? Jesus knew, uh, that they couldn't answer it. They, 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 they were toast no matter what they said. So Jesus gave them an unanswerable question. And then, then he follows up with his trap. Uh, what do you think? Which one? Which one did what the father said? So, so why did they ask? Why? Why did these religious leaders uh, at the edge of the crowd step forward and and try to get Jesus say, "Hey, by what authority?" Why did they ask the question? Quite simply, they were trying to trap him. They were trying to find something that they could charge him with. What they really hoped is they could. They could trip Jesus up and get him to say something that would turn the crowds against him, uh, and and at the same time give them something, uh, some legal stand to uh, to, uh, to to get him. So, so really, what they were wanting was Jesus to say something that they could respond. Aha! He just committed blasphemy. Aha! He just he just spoke against our teaching. Aha! He just he just has broken our sacred law. That's what they were hoping for. In fact, uh, as I mentioned, if you continue to read in Matthew chapter 22, we see 
a confrontation after confrontation, and they kept asking Jesus questions, trying to mess him up. The Sadducees came to him and asked a question about marriage in heaven, seeing if they could mess him up. And the Pharisees and Sadducees got together, and they asked him this question. They thought, well, Jesus will mess this one they, they said, what's the greatest commandment? But Jesus nailed that one. Then, then they thought, we've got him. We've got him on this one. They said, they, they, they asked him this question. Well, taxes. Should, should we pay taxes to Caesar? Because they said, they thought if he says yes, the people are going to be mad because no one likes to pay taxes. In that day, they hated paying taxes to Caesar. And if he said, no, don't pay the taxes, they're going to turn him over to Rome. So they thought they had him, but Jesus sidestepped that one as well. See, actually, actually, their first question, by what authority, was a great question. It was a great question if it had come from a pure heart. If they really wanted to know why people's lives were being changed, why hearts were, were being touched, if they really wanted to know why the deaf was hearing and the blind was seeing and the lame were walking, if they really wanted to know that, then that was a great question. Uh, but they didn't ask that for the right reasons. So, so here's the next one. Why didn't he answer? Uh, I'm, I'm going to be honest here. Um, personally, I don't like it if someone uh, answers a question with a question. So if if I ask you something and they and and who I'm asking usually it might be your kids that would do that. If they spit back, I, I personally don't like that. Kind of kind of raises a little bit of a red flag for me. So so why why didn't Jesus answer the question? He could have. He he really had answered it before. He's going to answer it later on and claim who he is. But why didn't he answer the question? Why didn't he say I'm God's son? Uh, First of all, he didn't need to. Jesus didn't need to answer the question because the answer was obvious, at least to anyone who wanted to see. There was an, another time uh, in in, in uh, the Gospel of Matthew where Jesus was asked a question that he didn't answer. If you have your Bibles, keep Matthew 21 open, but go back to Matthew 11. Matthew 11. Uh, this is right after John the Baptist had been arrested, was thrown into prison. Uh, and, and chapter 11, verse 2, When John, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask him, Are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? Verse 4, Jesus replied, Go back and report to John. Notice he doesn't answer the question. Go back and report to John what you have heard, what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blesses anyone who doesn't stumble on account of me. Jesus doesn't answer the question. He just simply says, tell him what I'm doing. See, see, Jesus didn't need to answer the question. It was obvious where he was from. It was obvious his authority. And and I kind of think Jesus didn't want to. I, I we we don't see him this way too much. We probably don't think of Jesus like this. But but I think it's a good way to see him. I I think Jesus had just a little bit of little bit of a fire here, just a little bit of uh, of uh, emotion here. And I think when they asked the question, he could have just blurted out, "You know who I am. I'm the Son of God." I think I think in part he's like, "I ain't going to answer it. I don't feel like I have to. I don't want to answer the question." See see. Jesus, we see him here not 
not, not as meek and, and, and it's fine to see him that way, but not as meek and humble and gentle and, and like a lamb. We see him fighting. We, we saw it last week. We saw it on Monday when he was fighting for justice for the poor. And now, now we see him doing something else. We see him kind of fighting for himself. We see him fighting for everyone that believed in what he had done. And I think that's why he instead of answering, ask two questions. Where John's baptism come? Put them on their heels, and then what do you think? Which of these two men did what the Father asked? See, there was a tough question, and then what Jesus wanted them to know was that there was a hard, there was a hard truth. I think Jesus asked these questions and told this story about the Father with his two sons and and he did so for two groups. Well, the, the two groups that were there. Now, now catch this: both groups would have been shocked at what he was saying. Both groups that he spoke this to would have been shocked that Jesus said what he said. So, so first of all, he he, he gave a hard truth for the leaders. These these religious types, these Pharisees, Sadducees, elders, scribes, chief priests, all these guys. That's who Jesus was talking to. In fact, in verse 31, he speaks directly to them. Did you catch what he said there? Truly I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. Jesus, as he told this story, I think, began to almost like he was holding out candy and letting them eat the candy out of his hand. He was leading them right where he wanted. And and he said this story. Well, father had two sons. And, and he said, go to the vineyard. The first son said, I will not, but changed his mind. The second one son, I will serve, but didn't go. And and when they heard that story, when Jesus told that story, that there had to be all kinds of emotion going on in, in, in the leader's mind. Jesus is asking them. He's going to expect an answer. And some red flags popped up. Some confusion entered in. I, I think they were, they just didn't know what to think. Here's the first red flag: is it wouldn't happen in 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 Jesus' day culturally, and and even in our day in some some families, uh, but definitely in Jesus' day culturally, it would not have happened. No way a son would have said, "I will not." Now, 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 maybe there might have been an exception to the rule, but when you're telling a story, you're you're going by the rule and. And they would, the first thing they would have thought, well, that can't happen. No son would, no son would say to his dad, I will not. Man, his dad would have laid him down. I mean, it would have, it wouldn't have been funny. It, it, that's what, and, and, and just as strongly so, no son would have said, I'll go, dad. And then not end up doing it. So, uh, so first, first red flag for them was, well, that wouldn't happen. But, but I think the second one was that they were confused, not, not with the question, because they knew what the right answer was going to be. Well, obviously the one that went and actually did the work, but but why is he asking this question? I I think I think they had to be all kind of confused. They're just like, what? what we don't know what to do. It, it was December twenty third, nineteen ninety nine. I confirmed the date with my wife to get it right, and she knows the date. Uh, December twenty third. It's about about eight fifteen, eight thirty in the morning. My wife was walking down our stairs from our second floor down to our first and she tripped and fell down the stairs. So so kinda kinda just you can hear the uh, the thump 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 and and at the bottom uh or most of the way down the stairs we have a landing and the stairs turn the other direction. She 
hit on the landing and stayed there. Um, now we were, we were talking as she started down the stairs. Um, well, okay, we were discussing something. Well, we were arguing, uh, as, uh, but it's really not my fault. She should have been paying attention and not looking at me. Uh, but she fell down. And to my credit, I want you to know this, I did not laugh. Okay. I might have started to, but when I heard her scream and start crying, uh, you know, I, I zipped it and I ran immediately to her side and, and she was, my ankle, it hurts. I think I broke it. And, and, um, I think I've mentioned this before. I'm not good in crisis situations like that. So I was, I didn't know what to do. What do we do? What do we do? And, and I'm trying to get her up and she doesn't want to move. And I, I, I can't, in all the commotion, Joel, uh, whose bedroom was downstairs, kind of just around the corner, woke up and come walk, came, came walking out and to, to see mom crumpled on the landing and me probably, you know, panicking. And, and, and he kind of just stands there for a while. So if you don't know, Joel's the red shirt up here in the front. And, uh, Joel's standing there for a while, and I, I'm trying to figure out what to do. And I finally, I finally, in frustration, looked at Joel, and I said, Joel, if you're not going to do anything, just go back to bed. And a couple moments later, I, I finally decide we're going to take her to the hospital, and I, I start to get her up, and I look around, and there's no Joel. Like, where did he go? And You know where he was? I went, he went back to bed. And I started, I yelled at him again, Joel, what are you doing in bed? And to his defense, he said, you said if I wasn't going to do anything, go back to bed. And, uh, he he was confused. Dad, do you want my help? Do you not want my help? What am I supposed to do? I can't figure it out. I, I think these religious leaders, I think they, had, they, they didn't know what to, they, they knew what they had to answer because it was the obvious one, uh, but they didn't know what to do. Jesus, Jesus ends up throwing more gas on the fire. In, in, instead of trying to repair his relationship with these people that was literally were holding his life in their hands, he, he ended all speculation about changing their thoughts uh, when, when he said, you know what, you know who's going to go to heaven first? And Jesus states that, that the ones who these religious types would have thought were the least qualified, they would have thought these people had the had zero chance of reaching the gates of heaven. They, they, they surely were seen as a abhorrent in the sight of God, a group that not only these religious leaders, but literally the whole nation would have judged as not worthy. They were not going to heaven, but Jesus said, they'll make it there before you. Now, uh, imagine if you will. I, uh, I'm, I'm be careful here because I don't want to get fired over this. I'm not, I'm not in any way going to say our elders are, are are like Pharisees. So elders, just know that. I'm not saying that. Just use this for illustrating purposes only. But if I had our four elders stand up here, so if I had uh, 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 Jared and uh, Rick and Kevin and Neil, if I had them all stand up here, I'm not going to do it, guys. Um, but if I had them all stand up on this side of uh, of the church, you'd look at them like all men that we respect, not at all like Pharisees, by the way, but 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 men that we respect. And And if I were to get some people over here, let's, Let's say that last night, uh, tell, anyone know the name of a bar in Atchison? Perfect. I appreciate the silence. Thank you. Good job. <laughs> Couple of you almost said something. Woo! Pass that test. Um, <laughs> I'm sure there, are, I'm sure you, you've driven by one and, you know, maybe tried to rescue someone from one of those. But, but let's say last night about one o'clock, I went to, to the, that unnamed bar in Atchison and as it closed down, 
there were some people come stumbling out, a couple of couples, and, and the ladies were dressed pretty, pretty scantily and obviously looked a little risque, and, and the guys were just, all of them were just sauce. I mean, they were, couldn't hardly get a, a complete a sentence, and they were summoned. And I, I loaded them up in the church van and said, hey, I need you to do something. And so I brought them to church, and, and I stood them up on this side of the church. So you're looking up here, and over here is our elders, and they're all, they're, they're all looking really, you know, holy and, and just you know, dignified. And, and these people are leaning on each other, and, and they're trouble, tr- struggling to stay awake. And you can still smell the alcohol. They don't look good. And if I was to say, they're going to make it to heaven before these guys. You see the starkness of that? Uh, that's what Jesus, really even stronger than that, even more absurd than that, that's basically what Jesus was saying to them. It was a hard truth that that these these guys, uh, the, now, now we'll replace the elders with the Pharisees and Sadducees. These religious leaders who were doing all the right stuff. They, they, they knew all the right answers. They, they went to all the right things. They kept all the, the right laws. They, they were doing everything right except they didn't recognize who Jesus was. They didn't know his authority and it disqualified them. See, it was a hard truth. Well, well, there was a second group that had a hard truth, and we'll, we'll kind of wrap up with this. See, see, there was a hard truth for the lost. See, at the edge of the crowd, really it was the rest of the crowd, but, but, but I think at the edge of the crowd, there were those ones that he just mentioned. There, there were some of the tax collectors and prostitutes, and oftentimes in Scripture they throw in another adjective, sinners, kind of generic way to cover everyone that's bad. So, so all the... Uh, tax collectors, uh, prostitutes, sinners that were at the edge of the cloud, they crowd, they were listening as well. And Jesus was saying to those folks who probably thought there's no way that we can ever have grace. There's no chance that God would ever accept us. There's no way that God would give us entry into heaven and now Jesus is saying, we go first. Well, what do, we, what do we take away? What do we take away from Jesus' decision to set a, toss some water and try to calm down the rhetoric to throw in some gas and getting these religious leaders even more motivated to get him, get him arrested? What do, we, what do we learn? We, we, we learn that, that Jesus never changed his thinking he never moved off his destiny for the cross we see we've seen from his whole ministry that jesus was offering hope to the hopeless and forgiveness to the sinner he was healing the broken and was offering grace to the hurting and nothing nothing would change his destiny See, he was going to the cross not just for the sinners and the tax collectors and the prostitutes, but, but, but let's throw ourselves in there. Let's list our sins. We don't have to do it out loud, but, but we'd be over on this side as well. Jesus went to the cross for us. See, Jesus, the Son of God, was right there in front of them the whole time, but the leaders missed it. 
the broken, the sinners, the lost, they didn't miss it. They saw who he was. Uh, my oldest son, Brian, preached last week in Tulsa, and I was listening to a sermon this week, and he told a story at the at the end of his sermon. I, I called him and said, hey, can I use that story? It fits perfectly with what I'm going to say this week. He said that, uh, and he granted me permission. I was going to use it anyway, but he did say I could. Uh, he said a, a few a few weeks ago he was driving to a basketball game. His daughter, uh, our granddaughter Callie, uh, had a basketball game. It was at Victory Academy in Tulsa. I, I don't know where that is. Probably you don't either. But but he said Victory Academy, the people in Tulsa that he was speaking to knew exactly where it was. He said it's right across from ORU. And he said they pulled up to uh, to turn and there was traffic, so they had to wait to turn. He said he heard his kids in the back kind of talking, but it wasn't paying much attention. But he but he heard one of them say, uh, Cameron or, or Kyler, like, there it is. And then he heard Callie say, I can't see it, I can't see it, I can't see it. And, and off to their right, they were turning left into victory, off to the right at ORU. If you've ever been to Tulsa or ORU, were the praying hands. If you've ever seen that, the praying hands were those, this big statue. And, and around the statue were flags of, of, of hundreds of nations, or at least dozens of nations, around these, these hands. And, and as they turned in, Callie began to cry a little bit. I can't see it. I didn't see it. And so Brian finally turned around and said, what are you talking about, Callie? And, and Callie said, I didn't see the Korean flag. And uh, Brian went on to say, he said, I was hoping that the reason she was upset, why she didn't see the Korean flag, was because of, uh, of her grandson, Thomas. Thomas is from from South Korea, and, and he said, I, I, I was hoping that that was her reasoning. Her cousin Thomas, he, she loves her cousin Thomas, and, and she was looking for the Korean flag because that represented Thomas, and, but he said, I, he said that was probably part of it. He said that wasn't the real reason she was upset. He said the real reason is her favorite, uh, I don't understand any of this, but her favorite boy band is a band called BTS. Did I get it right? Uh, that's their favorite one as well. It's a Korean boy band. I have. Do you know? I saw someone nod their head like, yeah. I, I look them up. I don't know. There's a bunch of, bunch of. It's a boy band type. Seven guys. I, they know their names. They, they've got dolls and they've got magazines and I mean, it's it's a big deal. And so he said, probably that was really why she was upset because of that connection. But the reality is, she was looking at it the whole time. Kyler and Cameron saw it. But she was looking at it, but just didn't see it. That's, that's what was happening with these religious leaders. They were looking at Jesus, but didn't see him. Church, uh, you won't hear me say this very often, but church, let's be like tax collectors and prostitutes. Let's see Jesus. Would you bow with me? Father, we, we thank you that your message is for all of us. And that you see past our failures and our sin, our mistakes. You, you see past our, our lies and our pettiness uh, and can forgive us if we see you. Father, we thank you that Jesus came. And even though the temptation might have been to avoid the cross, to choose an easy out, he went to the cross for us. He went to the cross to cover our sin, to give us hope a purpose. Father, help us. Help us see Jesus. Help us look and see his authority to ask us
to follow him. In Jesus' name, amen.